1: Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom!
2: Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment?
2: I am very, very ready. Let's go!
1: All right, let's give it a whirl!
2: Okay, and I just want to say that as we are recording this episode today, it will drop a little bit later, but it is the eclipse. Today is the solar eclipse. We have an eclipse today, uh, solar which is the sun, and then on November 8th, I think it is, is the lunar eclipse. So we are in eclipse season. We are in Scorpio season, spooky, uh, new life-changing things are happening. Uh, People are making decisions. They are ending old, beginning new, ending old ways, re-beginning with new ideas. It's a very, very, very interesting and energetic time.
1: Uh yes yeah, so lots of uh, energy and uh yes this will be uh coming out uh I guess uh... After this solar, but before the lunar eclipse. Um, and so uh, if you are listening to this the day that it drops or, or thereafter, uh, just keep a lookout at that moon. And uh, thank you all so much uh, for listening and uh, supporting the podcast. Uh, we are uh, coming into the tail end of our uh, second season, and uh, we've had uh, a lot of fun. we still got some more uh, episodes to go, but I just want to uh, thank everyone out there in this uh, great country of ours in this wonderful world uh, for listening, and uh, if this is your first episode of History in Retrograde, welcome. The way that we do things here is that in a moment I will give the astrological birth data of a random historical figure to my mother. Uh, She will uh, input that into the bat computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart where all of the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment this person was born. Mom will then do her best to give a blind reading of this chart, uh, telling us about the person's personality traits, motivations, and fortunes of this historical figure. Uh, and then uh, I will reveal to her who this mystery history guest is, give a little background about the person. Then together we'll come uh, at the end of the episode and determine how accurate the chart was at uh, mm-hmm. determining what that uh, person would do. Uh, so without any further ado, let us begin. Okay. Uh, so this is a female. All right. Born on the 2nd
2: uh-huh.
1: of November. Okay. 1755.
2: All right. Do we have a time? We do. (gasps) I'm so happy.
1: 7.30 p.m.
2: Okay. All right. And where in the world? Austria. Austria. Okay. We're in Austria. Vienna. Oh, lovely. All right.
1: So, again, this is a female born November 2nd, 1755, Vienna, Austria, 7.30 p.m.
2: All right. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have to say this is um, very close to a splash chart. We are missing a couple of planets right here, but we're doing good with the splashy part um let's see it looks like we have uh an interception here but i'll have to see. yeah we have an interception uh i'm looking for look at this wow a okay fifth house yeah, and really, you know, the fifth house is just really spread out. The is way over here instead of down here. Midhaven's way over here instead of up here. Oh, my. This is very interesting. Okay, so I'm going to start by reading off uh, the planets. Um, this person has um, their ascendant at two degrees Cancer which would put it right on the cusp of Cancer Gemini. So they could have some Gemini aspects uh, in their um, personality that they put out to people. Um, Their sun is at 10 degrees Scorpio. Their moon is at 20 degrees Libra. Their Mercury is at 3 degrees Sagittarius. Their Venus is at 11 degrees Scorpio. Their Mars is at 16 degrees Cancer. Their Jupiter is at 7 degrees Libra. Their Saturn is at 23 degrees Capricorn. Their Uranus is at 11 degrees Pisces. Their Neptune is at 10 degrees Leo. Their Pluto is at 14 degrees Sagittarius. Their North Node is at 15, is 19? 19 degrees Virgo. And their Chiron is at 5 degrees Capricorn. Very, very, very interesting. So we'll just start in this chart with the first house. And this first house, as I said, is at two degrees Cancer, which uh, is kind of on the, well, it it, it isn't kind of, it is on the cusp of Gemini and Cancer. So this person, although they could have a very nurturing and almost motherly kind of uh, appearance or behavior about them. Uh although it might be Angry Mom because it's Mars and Cancer in the first house. Could be Angry Mom. Um they could also be really articulate and very able to uh uh speak. Now, as you can see, this twelfth house uh should be the cusp of Gemini, but it's intercepted. So the entire house that Gemini should rule is hidden within this Taurus and this Cancer. You see? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we go to Sagittarius. So they don't have a connection to their communication skills per se. It's like in order to get to it it needs to be activated this is my new philosophy on interceptions and so all of their sagittarius in the 6th house is also hidden inside of this scorpio and this capricorn you see all mm-hmm. of that so in order to get to this cap these Capri- these um sorry these sagittarius aspects they have to be sort of activated um, my philosophy lately is that uh, an outside influence can activate these. <laughs> we'll just see, because I mean, it's all a science, you know. And uh, so, there's that. Uh, here, we have Mars in Cancer in the first house. This person could have come across as very motivated, um, very passionate, uh. Like in general, like uh, when this person walks into a room, they could explode into a room. You know, they have that energy. Um, then we have second house is also cancer. You see, because they have this interception over here. So we have double cancer and double Capricorn dealing with this person. <clears throat> so they're very they're more comfortable dealing with in their Cancer and Capricorn because they have so much of it, all right? So here, uh, second house cusp is also Cancer, but they don't have any planets in there. But this Mars would oversee this. So this person is probably also very motivated for material things, um, valuables. Uh, cancers are known to like really nice things. Uh, so although we think, you know, oh, Cancers are so sweet, they're so demoral. Well, you know, um, those little crabs can get really clicky with their claws, you know, and they do like a nice shell. I'm just saying, like, if you're dealing with a hermit crab, they go and find the best shell they can find. So that's kind of how I interpret, uh, Cancer. Um, we go to third house cusp is Leo and they have, Neptune at 10 degrees Leo in the third house. This could make this person's communication uh, very dramatic. But also, like, they could be an amazing literary person with a great imagination, really dramatic imagination. Uh, and how they communicate. The downside of that is that it could make them, it could make them vague, like dramatically vague in their, um, ability to get the point across. But I like to go with more of the, you know, brilliant, uh, ability to write in dramatic ways. Um, Then we have fourth house cusp is Virgo. And we have North Node in Virgo in the fourth house. This person is very, very, very much about their home and their private life and their country and their community and what they feel is theirs. And man, when you put a Virgo in charge of something, you've done the right thing because they are going to make absolute sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed. At least that's what should be happening if they are following their North Node. If they're not following their North Node, then they'd be over here like dreamy, not doing what they're supposed to do. But in this case, I just feel that this person takes their home very seriously and is very passionate about their home and it's their direction this is what they're supposed to do they are supposed to work in uh benefiting and uh making their home better somehow then we have fifth house and we have jupiter moon sun and venus all hanging out in the fifth house now the fifth house cusp is Libra, which is very beautiful and lovely and Venusian, okay. And then midway through, it changes to Scorpio, which is more uh, hidden and 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 mysterious. And um, hmm. Scorpios demand honesty and faith and 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 uh, loyalty. So here on the one hand, we have Jupiter and Moon in Libra. Jupiter conjunct Moon could, is possible, uh, make this person... They could be very benevolent. Like, they could be... Like, if they love someone, they could just shower them with things and love and and things like, you know... um, I don't know gifts of of love maybe uh it also would have made females in this person's life very beneficial to them because jupiter is benevolent jupiter gives you things and it is conjunct by sign not by degree uh their moon in the fifth house fifth house is uh, ruled by the sun it's all leo things uh fifth house is your house of fun. Fifth house is your house of romance and children and hobbies and enjoyment and also leadership uh because it's ruled by Leo and Leo is a natural leader. Uh having sun conjunct Venus by degree. Sun at 10 degrees and Venus at 11 degrees Scorpio. That's very interesting. There's some sun- super benevolent thing going on with this fifth house. Uh I mean, you know, I like to go to the show business part, but I mean, this person could have had a lot of um it's entertaining. No, yeah, it's entertaining. Entertainment. Maybe this person was in charge of it entertaining. I'm not sure, but there's a lot of this fifth house, very strong fifth house happening here. Uh very, very interesting, fun. I, I would think this person would be very fun. Um, sixth house has Mercury and Pluto. That is also ruled, that's ruled by Scorpio. Here we have fifth house ruled by Libra, sixth house ruled by Scorpio, but you've got your Mercury and Pluto in Sagittarius in that house. Now, Because these planets are in Sagittarius instead of Scorpio, this could be a difficult area for this person. Difficult for them to wield their power like they normally would. Difficult for them to communicate in their working environment, in their day-to-day. Because it's almost like, what they're trying to do and what they're trying to say, maybe it's not absolutely clear. It has to be activated. Like they would need a Sagittarius person in their life to help them with this. They would need a Sagittarius person. They would need, or a person with Sagittarius aspects. This is my theory now. <laughs> this is my whole theory on studying interceptions. And uh, they would need a Gemini person. To help them, or a person with Gemini aspects, to help them open the doors to their twelfth house. So, is any of this making any sense? Yes. Oh, oh, good. <laughs> I like it when it makes sense. Okay, so, um, there's that. This this access to their natural power, this access to their Pluto and their Mercury is veiled inside. There's six house. (laughs) It's like, well, in order to get to this, you have to go down the hall, three flights of stairs over to the right, past the water fountain. And then there's going to be a magic door and you have to have the magic key to open that door. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that when you have planets in your house uh, that's intercepted. This is my my personal opinion. If you do not agree, um, that's fine. I understand. (laughs) But um, now uh, we have Chiron. We have the seventh house cusp is Capricorn, and we have Chiron at five degrees Capricorn in this house. So, um, I natally have Chiron conjun- conjunct Jupiter in my seventh house, and I have found that it is my job to heal things, uh, because I have Jupiter there. This person doesn't have Jupiter there, and also my seventh house, uh, is. Um, Pisces, not uh, Capricorn. So with Seventh House, with Chiron in the Seventh House and Capricorn, maybe they are somehow able to heal Capricorn things. They also should have an ability for long range, because anything that's Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. It is long-term. They are not afraid of that long-term commitment. So in this situation, if she has a partner, a life partner, a husband, uh, then this aspect would help heal long-term relationships, relationships, Also, it doesn't have to be a a life partner as in a romantic partner can be any partner, any uh, person who is one on one with them at the moment. This person has the ability to somehow heal the Capricorn aspects. So maybe financial aspects, maybe uh, business aspects, maybe. Then we go to the 8th house cusp, which is also Capricorn because we have an interception. So we have two houses in Cancer and two houses in Capricorn. So here, this person has 8th house cusp is also Capricorn, and this person has Saturn in Capricorn, okay? So they have Saturn and Chiron in Capricorn in the 7th and 8th houses. So, uh... Eighth house is legacy and hidden things and taboo things and uh, inheritance and um, all those things that are ruled by Scorpio and Pluto. And here this person has Saturn there, the, the planet of lessons, and it's in Capricorn, which has to do with money and their partner's money because eighth house is your partner's money. So somehow I'm going to say this person has a mm, like a, a not, not a calming, but a, a reassurance and ability to work with all of these things, like a calm, natural understanding of all of these eighth house things, if that makes any sense. Then ninth house is in Capric is I'm sorry ninth house is Aquarius, which is very interesting because ninth house is ruled by Sagittarius and Jupiter, and ninth house is your philosophy and your dogma, and your um, travel, world travel, and your higher education. And this person has Aquarius on that ninth house, which would be, uh, like vi- well. Their philosophy should be based in humanitarianism. They don't have any planets in that house, but I would assume they would be rather open-minded unless they're working with the dark side of Aquarius, which is totalitarianism. But I don't know. I just feel like this chick is kind of, I don't know, kind of cool. And um, her philosophies would be a little bit more futuristic, a little bit more Uranian, a little bit more uh, unusual than the average woman of her time. I think she has a way of looking at things that might be new and different and that people haven't really seen that way before. And she might be able to express this with her imagination because of her third house, Neptune there, possibly telling stories or somehow sharing this, her philosophies. Her 10th house, cusp is pisces and she has she has uranus and pisces and she has this uranus and pisces in this grand trine to her scorpio and her cancer so and it's in the 10th house so 10th house is career and uh fame and how people um how how famous you are. It's ruled by uh, Saturn and Capricorn. Tenth house is ruled by Capricorn and Saturn. And so somehow (laughs) she has this explosion of Pisces with regard to her career and how she uses creativity is also new and different and unique. And it goes along with her Ninth house in Aquarius, because uh Uranus rules Aquarius, so here we have two houses next to each other where she's dealing with this uranian energy this this lightning bolt uh kind of energy, and it somehow has to do with her career and how pe- her fame like how she appears in the world. she has Aries on the eleventh house on, blah, Aries on the eleventh house cusp. And she doesn't have any planets in that house, but uh it is the mirror to this fifth house. See how wide it is? Mm-hmm. See how grand that is. It's very expansive. Uh somehow maybe she is seen as a leader or uh like a, a warrior for the people. Uh, maybe, because it's Aries on your eleventh house, and Aries is the warrior in the eleventh house is groups of people, so maybe. And then midway through, it turns it changes to uh, Taurus because I do Placidus house systems, um, which is also very uh, uh, giving. Taurians are known for giving like the best gifts, like they pick the finest, nicest things. And and that's how they like to show their love by giving. It's one of the ways they like to give very nice gifts. And so she could be very benevolent because Taurus is ruled by Venus. Uh, here, the 12th house is ruled by Taurus, and uh, she has that, her entire Gemini house is encapsulated inside of there. So in order to access or understand her karma it isn't the same as people who don't have an interception, like in your 12th house, because your 12th house is what you are working on. You know, it's what you've come from. And your sixth house, where the, the other side of the interception is how you work, how you do your day to day. So it's almost like in order for her to be able to work on her karma and deal with 12th house things, which 12th house is institutions. Um, foreign things. Uh, in this case, she's got Gemini <laughs> trapped in there. So her ability to communicate is in in a bit of a detriment because she she needs something else to access that. Although with this third house, you know, Leo, Neptune, and this 10th house, With Uranus in Pisces, maybe the universe was like, yeah, we're going to pull you back a little bit because you got too much. So I don't know. I won't know until I know more about who this person is, if I even know who this person is. And uh, that's I think that's everything that I can just read off of the top of this without going into too much detail. But do you have any questions?
1: Yes. Um, What does she look like? (laughs)
2: She could, like, look like an angry mom (laughs) Honestly, uh, she could be uh, very moon-ish Like, she could have big eyes She could be, I mean, because whenever you have a moon sign Or anything that deals with the moon in your first house She could be plump Uh, She could have round, soft features But she also has Mars there So having Mars there because Mars is ruled by Aries, she could be very athletic, you know, because people who have Aries placements tend to be athletic or uh, competitive. Uh, They'll be in sports. They'll be in um, the martial arts, you know, nowadays. But uh, she could be... She could have soft features, but she could also have that Martian aspect, which is kind of athletic.
1: How does she dress
2: with Mars in the first house? I think that how she dresses is very important to her. Um but uh, she could dress like a warrior. she could dress um, she could pull that Mars, man. She could definitely, uh, but I think, I, I, you know, Mars is ruled by Aries. It's very fashionable. I think her Mars in, cas- in cancer could make her want to dress very femininely, you know? So she could take in either aspect. And I know that sounds really wishy-washy, but I, we're dealing with Mars and we're dealing with cancer. So what are you going to do, you know? She could either dress, maybe she dresses really feminine and that is her power uh, it could go either way but it's not like she has you know it's not like she has Uranus there where she's just gonna look weird you know what I mean Hmm. she's kind of gonna be one of these things
1: what is her relationship to her mother
2: I would think that she would have a really good relationship with her mother because she has Jupiter conjunct moon In Libra. And her mother is is probably very beautiful. And also she has Moon in Libra. So she could also be very beautiful. But here again. Here we have Moon. Right? Ruling the first house. She could be a little bit plump. And then, I mean, that's just a natural thing. And then here, Jupiter conjunct Moon also. It would make her... This Jupiter would make her emotions very expansive like she is really about her emotions
1: what does her home look like
2: wow I would assume that her actual home would be extremely organized possibly uh, feminine vergonian um, but her home and her everything about her home and her fourth house and her Her life, if this is the correct time of birth, uh, is paramount to her because it's her North Node in Virgo. And Virgos don't take anything. They're very serious about what they do, you know. They're going to be the best. They want it to be the best.
1: What is her relationship to her country?
2: Again, same thing. Fourth house. I think that she is very... uh, I mean, it's North Note, so she could be some sort of leader or instigator or worker, uh, something that works with home and country, some kind of it's North Note. So it is her direction. It is what she is supposed to be doing. It's very important to her. Honestly, I think if we're dealing with all the light sides, she would be an excellent leader because if you want something done and you want it done right, you really want to put a Virgo in charge of it because they are amazing in their level of detail and how they execute things, how they can their their minds work really quickly. So people who have Virgonian aspects and people who have Virgo in their chart are very, very capable. So and she's got north node there so if she's working on her north node which we're all supposed to do naturally whether you know it you know whether you know anything about astrology or not most people on the light side will naturally work towards their goal because that's what they came for and uh so i think i think she would be
1: a really good leader i think i would like her <laughs> um what kind of wife would she be
2: I would say, as far as a wife is concerned, she has Chiron there, so that's the wounded healer, you know? So when you have Chiron in the seventh house, it it can be exhausting because you're always healing, you know? You have this natural way of healing, but I would think, because it's in Capricorn, she would be very... Uh committed to her partner and somehow be a healing influence on her partner, maybe on her partner's finances. I'm not sure, but it has to do with Capricorn things and healing as far as maybe she stays with it through whatever
1: was what her relationship to monogamy?
2: Well, per this, she should be very monogamous, um. unless she's not working with her Chiron, unless she has been so damaged by something. But I don't see that in this chart that she would be super damaged by that. Uh, I would assume that with Chiron in <laughs> Capricorn, uh, she's in. But, I mean, she could be either she's... No, I think I think that's too much Saturn. I, I don't know. I think she's really in it.
1: What is her relationship to common people?
2: I think she leads them. See how she has Aries on the 11th house? I think that she is known somehow as a leader, but also a nurturer because she's got this this Taurus there, you know?
1: What kind of mother would she be?
2: I would think she would be a really, really good mother. She's got Moon conjunct Jupiter in the fifth house of children. She has Sun and Venus in Scorpio, also in this fifth house. I would think she would be a really good mom. Like a very... Benevolent. Now, if we're working on the dark side of that Libra, then she'd be narcissistic. So there's that. I'm looking at this from the light side, and I think she'll be a great mom. I may stand corrected later, I don't know, but she's got the potential to be a really great mom.
1: Uh, how does she do with finances?
2: Um... Uh I would assume she does fine with finances. She's got this interception here where she has first house and second house cusp in Cancer. She has uh Mars in Cancer uh at 16 degrees and um that is right here on the cusp of her second house which is also in Cancer. So I would think that she would do really well with finances. She also has Saturn in Capricorn in the 8th house. So unless she has lessons to be learned with death and rebirth of finances, which is the eighth house, you know, death and rebirth, there could be that, but I would assume she does okay with finances. Although if the finances are connected to her career, (laughs) she has Uranus and Pisces in the 10th house. So that could make things very explosive,
1: Do you consider this person a day or night person?
2: Well, uh, you judge that by whether or not their sun is above or below. So I would think that this person was a night person. But also because they're born at 7.30 p.m., night person. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm born at 11.22, so they say I'm a day person, and I'm not. I'm a night person, so...
1: Uh, are there any other uh, final first impressions that you can gather from this chart?
2: Um, No, I think as far as first impressions go, I mean, without going deep into the actual aspect squares and conjunctions and all that, that this is pretty much where I think we need to uh, conclude what I am looking at here.
1: Okay. Are you ready for a summary of our findings? Yes. So the first thing that you said is that uh, she could have a nurturing motherly appearance, but maybe an angry mom. <laughs> um she uh would have almost no connection to her communication skills or these communication skills um need to be activated. Uh, She could be very motivated, very passionate. Uh, She could explode into a room. Uh, She uh, is motivated uh, for material things. She likes nice things. Uh, She could have very dramatic communications, uh, could have good literary skills with an active imagination. Uh, This person uh, can be dramatically vague uh, in her ability to convey the point. Uh, she is uh, very much about her home, country and community uh, should be a good uh, and particular leader uh, is supposed to work benefiting their home. Uh, they are uh, very benevolent uh, sh- they are a uh, good uh, showing loved ones uh, showering loved ones with gifts. Um, And females in her life are very beneficial. Uh, She's super benevolent. Uh, She's entertaining. Uh, Could be in charge of entertaining a fun person. Uh, It can be sometimes difficult for her to wield power, uh, difficult to communicate in day-to-day things. Uh, Healing is a large part of her life, Uh, healing long-term things, healing a life partner, uh, healing uh, connected to uh, business and financial aspects. There could be lessons with a partner's money, uh, calm, natural ability to deal with her partners. Uh, Philosophy is centered on humanitarianism or totalitarianism. Uh, Unusual, unique ways of thinking. Uh, She can express herself with her imagination. Uh, There are explosions in her career. Uh, Uses creativity in new ways. Uh, There are explosions in her fame. Uh, She could be seen as a warrior for the people. Uh, She could be benevolent. Uh, She has karma with institutions and foreign things, uh, and there is a detriment in her communication. Uh, Her communication is somehow imprisoned and closed. Uh, She could look like an angry mom. Uh, She could have big eyes. Uh, She could be plump. Uh, She could have round, soft features. Uh, She could also be athletic and competitive. Uh, the way that she dresses is very important to her. She could dress like a warrior, uh, but she would be very fashionable, and she would want to dress feminine, and dressing feminine is her power. Uh, she could be uh, really good at uh, her relation. Her, her relationship to her mother could be very good. Um, the mother and her are very beautiful, uh, but also share some of those round features. Um, emotions are expansive. Uh, extremely organized, feminine home. Home is paramount to her. Uh, she would want to have the best for her home. She could be a good leader of the country. Uh, the country is her direction in life. She could be an excellent leader. Um, she, uh, could be, uh, Uh, operating at a a high level of detail uh, and uh, she could be uh, very good at executing tasks, could be a good leader. Um, You would like her. Um, (laughs) Always healing, uh, and that can become exhaustive at times. Uh, She is very committed to her partner, healing partner and finances. Uh, She uh, would be very monogamous. Uh, She uh, could be leading the common people, could be seen as a nurturer, as a really good mother, um, possibly narcissistic, though. Uh, She would do fine with finances. Uh, There are lessons to be learned with death and rebirth of finances. Uh, Finances can be very explosive, and she would be a night person. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: Um, when you have Neptune, wherever your Neptune is, has to, and she has Neptune in Leo, which is really dramatic imagination and abilities. She could have, um, natural neptunian abilities that somehow connect to her imagination and then she can, um, d- you know, communicate these she has a lot of communication things going on in her chart which are very interesting because it's like this way and that way and this way and that way it's it's very it's like you know how um it's not like a revolving door because it's not that many slats but it's like this and then that, and then this, and then it's that's I don't know how to describe it, but it has to do with her ability and inability, and ability and inability, and they're both they 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 um rotate back and forth on whatever it is about her communication.
1: Okay, um, would you like to know whose chart you've been looking at? Yes. Uh, Well, before I reveal this, I would like to uh, thank a uh, listener, as uh, this was one of our listener suggestions. Uh, So, uh, Michael, uh, who is a fan, uh, reached out to us, uh, reached out to me, and uh, emailed this suggestion along with several others. Um, So, uh, thank you to Michael. (laughs) Uh, This is the astrological birth chart of Marie Antoinette.
0: (gasps)
2: Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That's intense. Uh, that is very 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 intense. Oh my goodness. Very, very, very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about her. Because I actually like her a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe I shouldn't because maybe she was, you know, uh, a little too um, aristocratic. But um there's so many things I like about her that I know of but I can't wait to hear what you've done cuz I know you did a deep dive so this is going to be good
1: Uh, So, uh, Marie Antoinette uh, was born in uh, Vienna, Austria, at the uh, Hofburg Palace, November 2nd, 1755. Uh, Her uh, given name was Maria Antonia. Uh, She was born into uh, the Habsburg dynasty um, and would later have her name pronounced differently once she moved to France. Uh, born to Emperor Francis I uh, and, uh, or Emperor, yeah, and then Empress uh, Maria Theresa. Um, she was the 15th child of uh, Maria Theresa. Wow. Uh, she was said to uh, the labor uh, that uh, Theresa went into while having uh, Marie Antoinette. Uh, she was reading a newspaper the whole time.
2: Oh, uh, my goodness. She had
1: done this so much.
2: Oh, Oh, no. Um,
1: uh Maria Theresa was really the person running uh the uh Austrian Empire at this time um and uh she often said that she could lead men into battle but it would become too distracting uh, so <laughs> she stayed at home um Growing up, uh, Marie Antoinette um, was not the greatest student. Uh, she um, had very poor language and communication skills. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and her writing uh, was very uh, difficult to actually read uh, what she wrote. Mm. Um, she uh, did have uh, musical inclinations. She liked to practice the harpsichord. Uh, she was uh, born uh, just two months after uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and uh, they uh, met each other in court several times and even practiced music together.
0: Ooh.
1: Um Marie Antoinette was not her mother's favorite child. Um, her mother criticized her severely for not paying enough attention to her womanly duties, uh, to uh, her duties as uh, someone in court, uh, and especially her uh, language uh, skills. Uh, hmm. Also, criticized her for her looks and appearance, uh, that she uh,
2: narcissistic, uh,
1: would, narcissistic uh, uh, was was too large, had too. Uh, uh, round features um her tutor uh said that she's not unintelligent uh, she's just lazy um hmm. and frivolous uh, she just does not actually apply herself to her studies hmm. um in the realm of european politics in the late uh, 18th century um Historically, the Habsburgs and the Austrian Empire uh, had uh, been at war with France for many, many years, Uh, and when they were not actively in war, they were still not um, allies. Uh, And uh, Maria Theresa wanted to fix that, Uh, and so uh, it was decided that uh, Marie uh, Antoinette would marry uh, the 15-year-old Dauphin of France, uh, who would later become Louis XVI. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was 14 at the time, Uh, and this was going to secure the alliance between Austria and France so that they were not uh, fighting each other. Um, So at the age of 14, uh, Marie Antoinette left uh, Vienna, left Austria, left everything that she had ever known uh, for the last time. She would never return. Um, As uh, she went across on the weeks-long journey uh, from uh, Vienna uh, to Versailles, um, she went through uh, many of the other uh, German kingdoms, uh, Prussia and such, and then uh, when she reached the Rhine River, the uh, separation between France uh, and uh, the, the... other Germanic kingdoms, uh, there was a ritual that had to be performed. Uh, They met uh, on an island, uh, the uh, members of the French court uh, and the Austrian court, an island in the middle of the river, and Marie Antoinette was uh, stripped of all of her uh, Viennese clothing and then was given uh, Parisian clothing as uh, she was not going to have anything that connected her to uh, her Austrian upbringing anymore. Hmm. Uh in May of 1770, uh there was a an official ceremony uh performed in Versailles and then uh the 15-year-old Louis and 14-year-old Marie uh were taken to uh, the marriage bed. Uh they were uh, taken there by the King of France, uh, Louis the 15th, uh having uh the uh his son or his grandson on uh, his right arm and his uh grand so- daughter-in-law on the left. They walked to the marital bed. Uh, he placed them into their nightgowns and placed them in the, in the bed, but apparently there was no actual ceremony of watching them consummate the marriage, which did often happen uh, during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they would not consummate the marriage for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that it, it, rumors abounded about uh, Louis XVI um, as possibly being impotent, as possible being homosexual um, because no consummation was actually occurring Hmm. um Marie Antoinette met the French public with a mixed reaction. Uh, The French people had for generations been uh, not just skeptical, but uh, outright antagonistic against anybody from Austria. And Mm -hmm. now this was going to be uh, the possible queen consort. Um, What kind of meddling could she be getting up to in the French court?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And the court had a similar reaction. Um, and there were uh, uh lots of things that happened within the court of Versailles that um led Marie Antoinette to have uh, certain enemies. Uh one of them was the Madame Duberry, uh who was uh, the king's um mistress. Mm-hmm. And uh there was such a uh, friction between the two uh, that it was possible that all uh, Austrian peace hopes uh, would be um, uh, done away with because Madame duberry would say, I don't like uh, the, the new queen, you know, I don't like Marie Antoinette and I think we should go to war with France. And the mistress had a lot more pull with the king than, than the wife did. Mm-hmm uh eventually uh marie made an on uh made a, a, an attempt at reconciling this uh and uh, by, on new year's eve of 1772 uh went uh, to the uh uh Madame duberry and simply said uh, there are quite a lot of people at versailles this day aren't there and that was said to have uh mended all the fences between the two <laughs> Um, during all of this time, um, Maria Theresa over in Austria was never um, quite uh, relinquishing of her control of Marie Antoinette. Um, mm. In fact, had spies all throughout the French court um, reporting back to her on as to the behavior of her young daughter. Mm. Uh, and then she would uh, take these reports and then write uh, explicit instructions to her daughter on how she should be behaving. Uh, and that was because Marie Antoinette, as, uh, uh the, 15, 16-year-old, this teenage girl in the middle of Versailles uh, was enjoying all of the things that Versailles had to offer. Uh, she uh, was seen partying late into the night, uh, enjoyed <laughs> extravagant feasts, um, dresses, uh, the likes of which no one had uh, seen before, with the finest silks, uh, the finest jewels uh, available. Mm-hmm. Um, her, uh, her, her wigs and her hair were styled in a way that uh, she could fit in in a, um, in a Dallas church you know the, <laughs> the, the higher the hair the closer to god <laughs> um, she was said to be quite the gambler and would gamble uh, uh thousands uh of of uh, gold coins away at a time mm. um in 1774 uh louis the 15th uh passed away uh that made uh, louis the 16th uh, the new king of france and made marie antoinette the new queen consort mm-hmm. um up to this point, they still had not consummated the marriage. And rumors abounded within the court and within all of Europe about um, well, if Marie Antoinette is not getting uh, fulfilled uh, sexually by her husband, she must be getting fulfillment from all sorts of courtiers, by men and women alike. Um, And all of the enemies of France and all of the people started uh, spreading these rumors and even Mm. making uh, lots of detailed woodcuts, um, panting pamphlets uh, of uh, a pornographic nature uh, mm. uh, uh, of uh, Marie Antoinette and all of these different uh, sexual exploits that she was uh, said to have and her mm. do- her her mother uh, was uh, very upset about this as well trying to send as much um, information as possible to her about how they can actually conceive and and her, really, her duty was to have a, a, an heir, and specifically a male heir.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: eventually, the uh, brother uh, of uh, Marie Antoinette, uh, the uh, Holy Roman Emperor Joseph, um, came uh, in disguise to Versailles um, and had a... Uh, talking to to both of them he admonished marie antoinette for her lavish her lavish expenditures her gambling uh her uh, uh flagrant uh spending of money on all of these lavish things and um had a good talk with uh louis um really about the birds and the bees uh, <laughs> uh, th- there's letters that you can see where um You know, uh, something just, they weren't doing it right. And uh, (laughs) the way that they were doing it wasn't going to lead to any heirs anytime soon. And so Joseph had to explain to the young man uh, how it's actually done. Um, And what I like to imagine is uh, if you've ever seen uh, the movie Amadeus, um, uh, the. That's Joseph, uh, you know, the man who says, I think there's too many notes. That's the exact person who's explaining this to the king of France, um, how you actually do these things. Um, So after uh, this talking to it worked. And uh, after seven years of marriage, uh, it was finally uh, consummated. And then uh, there was a daughter born in December of 1778. And there would be three more children to follow. Um, anyone who's paying attention to these dates that I'm rattling off, we are in the mid-1770s and mm-hmm. uh, there is a revolution going on across the Atlantic Ocean yeah. and uh, the Americans uh, were uh, fighting for their independence against the British and mm-hmm. very much needed uh, money and needed weapons and needed expertise and so uh, they sent envoys such as uh, Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and John Adams to Versailles and even though the French were in a mountain of debt themselves, having just lost uh, the Seven Years' War, they were so eager to stick it to the English that they uh, opened whatever was left in their coffers to the Americans, mm-hmm. and uh uh louis uh the 16th uh was uh, happy to send uh lafayette to go over to uh uh america and train uh, the american soldiers and uh because of the french intervention at yorktown um america was able to gain its independence um but this caused even more debt uh for uh, the fledgling um uh, french kingdom mm-hmm. um marie uh, while all this is going on, continued to uh, uh, play around and have lots of parties and gamble and have addresses mm-hmm. uh, uh, while uh, the French kingdom is experiencing this high amount of debt and the French people are literally starving. Um, Mm -hmm. They have no bread. Uh, They are having riots now uh, because uh, there's not enough wheat. They're having several winters where Mm -hmm. um, uh, the farmers are not able to uh, actually produce food for the people uh, Mm -hmm. while she continues to have these lavish parties going on in Versailles. Um, In fact, uh, her new hobby is to play pauper. Uh, so uh, she makes a little French cottage in the middle of Versailles mm-hmm. and pretends to be a peasant.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and that's
1: how she uh, enjoys uh, uh, her downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, All throughout this, uh, from the time that she had first been married, uh, there were tons of rumors of her uh, affairs with all sorts of uh, courtiers and dignitaries alike. Um, On top of this, because of her lavish spending, uh, she was uh, coined Lady Deficit uh, by the people of France. Mm. Um, In uh, 1786, she kind of comes to uh, terms with all of this and her public opinion. Uh, opinion and everything, and she starts turning over a new leaf. Uh, She uh, has a banquet, and then after this big banquet, she gets rid of all the gambling tables in her room, Uh, and uh, she uh, stops wearing such lavish jewels and tries to cut back, Um, but by 1786, uh, things were uh, going at such a pace that really uh, this didn't uh, transform the public opinion of her very much. Um, There was a a whole uh, affair involving a necklace. Uh, This was supposed to be the most expensive necklace ever created. Uh, It had 10,000 diamonds in it. I think it was Mm. 246 carat gold, I think. I'm not even sure if that's the right number. But uh, (laughs) uh, uh, it was a very big necklace. And uh, it was presented to her, and she knew that she could not buy it, even though she wanted it, because Mm -hmm. of what that would look like to the French people. Then there were some scammers that got involved, and they convinced a wealthy um, French uh, 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 member of the clergy uh, that he should buy it for uh, uh, Marie Antoinette. And he was so eager uh, to come into the good graces of the queen that he takes out all sorts of loans in order to do so. Um, At one point, the scammers even uh, present a a prostitute to him uh, disguised as the queen. uh, And and, uh, he uh, kisses uh, the hem uh, of her garment uh, and says, of course, I will buy this necklace for you. Uh, Well, he does. But then, of course, the the queen was not involved in any of this. uh, And so the scammers just take the money and the necklace. Um, Okay. Uh, and so uh, the, they run off, and then now all of these loans become due, and uh, the uh, uh, French clergyman uh, gets into all sorts of trouble with the courts. And uh, it, it, it's it, this further goes into, even if she didn't buy the necklace, she's already created this reputation around her to where it mm-hmm. looks like it's all her fault anyway. Mm-hmm um uh, uh it is also during this time that we discover th- uh, louis 16th is not really capable uh, of leadership um mm-hmm. he uh all he really wants to do is go out and hunt um mm-hmm. he he is not uh uh he, he can barely pay attention during meetings and he becomes uh, very depressed um uh, uh, really not even wanting to be king um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so Marie Antoinette starts to be co- taking on an active role in the King's of, uh, affairs. Um, mm-hmm. and she is very much of this Habsburg, uh, uh and even old time French ideal of absolute rule. Uh, we are God's representatives on earth. We are born into this life to rule over these people. We have mm-hmm. their best interests in mind. Um, this absolutist line uh, does not mesh well with now these more reformist uh, and even republican and even more radical ideas going on within France at the time. Um, all uh, of these uh, things start to come to a head um, by the late 1780s, and uh, in 1789, uh, the uh, there is a meeting called of the Estates General. Um, This was the first meeting of the Estates General since 1614, Um, and this consisted of the three estates of France, so that is the nobility, that is the clergy, and the third estate is all of the people, Uh, so the people elect their representatives. This had not met in over a hundred years, and Mm -hmm. uh, she sat in on these meetings, which was the first time that a a queen consort uh, had met over this uh, since Maria de' Medici had in in um a, in 175 years
0: mm-hmm. um
1: she really pushes her husband not to give in on any of the reforms to stay hardline that we are the absolute uh, monarchy we make mm-hmm. all the decisions uh mm-hmm. it is possible that had she um been more receptive to reforms that uh the french would have had a, a simple uh uh a, a, revolution of sorts which they just had a constitutional monarchy much like the English had um, but mm-hmm. because of her insistence for her husband to be more hardline on these things um, mm-hmm. and eventually it is because of her that there's a financial advisor who is a more radical reformer named Necker um, who is uh, of uh, originally brought on as a financial advisor because of her but she then urges her husband to dismiss him completely. He is dismissed in July of 1789. He goes back to Paris and uh, starts riling up the uh, masses there. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is on July 14th, 1789, that uh, uh, the masses storm the Bastille. Uh, The Mm -hmm. Bastille has some political prisoners. It also has lots of gunpowder and Mm -hmm. ammunition. Uh, When reports of this reach Versailles, um, uh, the uh, uh, royal... Uh, A minister who informs uh, King Louis about this. Uh, King Louis says, well, is it a revolt? And the minister says, no, it is a revolution. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the French Revolution was at least taught to me um, all of these things kind of compound really quickly uh, mm-hmm. so the, the Bastille is stormed uh, and then the next thing you hear the, the king's heads uh, and, and Marie Antoinette's heads are cut off and then they turn against each other and then Napoleon comes well mm-hmm. really there is months and years mm-hmm. in between all of these things happening so mm-hmm. the Bastille is stormed in uh, July It's not until October that rioters start reaching Versailles. Um, And so they do. And the rioters come to Versailles and uh, they uh, uh, even reach uh, the queen's bedroom. And it's because one of the Swiss guard was there uh, protecting the bedroom and they hacked his body to bits that Marie yeah. was able to leave the bedroom with enough time. Uh, there is a, a deal that is reached between the mob and uh, the royal family. that They are allowed to live, but they are taken away from Versailles. And it mm-hmm. is in October of 1789 that the royal family uh, leaves Versailles for the last time to go to Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, They are held in in a very uh, nice uh, accommodation in Paris, uh, because there's still this idea that all we want is a constitutional monarchy. All we Mm -hmm. want is what the English have, where we have more rights and more say, we want to get rid of serfdom. You know, this Mm -hmm. thing that's been going on for uh, thousands of years where people are tied to the land. um, We want to get rid of that. Uh, So... There's this possibility of a moderate revolution going on. And so they keep the king around as if he's still going to be the ruler of France. He's just going to have to consult with the French people before making decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, In uh, June of 1791, uh, the royal family uh, really doesn't think that things are going to go too well for them. And uh, so they try to escape to Prussia. Uh, there's a whole escape attempt that is uh, uh, met and, and the the carriage takes them away from Paris. And they're very close to the border uh, when it is one of the postal officers who recognizes the king from the stamps that he mm-hmm. has had to uh, fill out all of these years and says, that's the king of France. Arrest him. Get him. And so that is how they are caught. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the mob uh, surrounds them and they ask him who he is. And, and he says, I'm Louis. I'm the king of France, and the people say, France has no king. And Mm -hmm. then they take him and the family back to Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, In the next year, uh, Louis XVI is made to sign a constitution uh, which uh, proclaims France as a constitutional monarchy, but still makes him as uh, the regent, as as the uh, uh, king of France. Mm -hmm. Um, They also make him sign a declaration of war against Austria. Um, okay uh this uh, uh there this was meant to try and uh, somehow alleviate the situation. Like if we can just win this war against Austria, then all of our problems could be solved. But um, uh, I'm not exactly sure what economists would say that uh, this is the best way of getting bread on your tables by (laughs) losing all of your young boys to war. (laughs) Uh, In fact, this war that is declared in 1792 would not end for 23 years.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But, Uh, Marie Antoinette was hopeful about this war. She was hopeful that the Austrians would win and that Mm -hmm. the Austrians would march into Paris and get rid of all of the rabble. Uh, Mm -hmm. Eventually, all of the rest of Europe declares war against France because of what is going on uh, in the revolution. Um, in June of 1792, uh, it becomes evidently clear that uh, the French people have uh, been so radicalized that uh, there is uh, uh, no respect, or, or uh, they have no intentions of, of keeping Louis as king for much longer. A mob mm-hmm. storms into uh, their uh, uh, palace and puts a uh, red cap—the red cap that the all the revolutionaries uh, wore—on to the king and take away uh, his crown. Mm -hmm. And demand him to sing songs of the revolution. Um, And then in August, uh, they are moved to uh, what is called Temple, uh, which was this medieval prison. Uh, uh, now it wasn't completely, uh, they weren't kept in, in complete squalor yet. They still had an harpsichord and they had meals uh, provided for them because there's still people out there who are like, I don't know if we can really kill a king. He's the king. Mm-hmm. God made him the king. Well, mm-hmm. they're dealing with a revolution in which they're also killing God at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, all of these things are, are being bandied about as we need a complete and utter revolution of every aspect of life mm-hmm. um eventually uh, in august once they are moved to uh what is called temple um uh, the attendants of uh, of the royal family, uh, the the those who are serving them, are rounded up uh, and uh, put through mock trials and then uh, are executed. Um, uh, one of uh, the M- Marie Antoinette's uh, most trusted confidants, uh, Marie de uh, Lambelle, um, she uh, was assaulted and then uh, she was hacked apart with meat cleavers, <sighs> um, and her head was put onto a pike and then. The The uh, rioters took the head to the temple and raised it to Marie Antoinette's window, demanding that she kiss the the severed head. Uh, Marie Antoinette uh, fainted uh, from uh, such uh, the sight. Um, In September 1792, uh, the assembly officially declared that there is no more king, uh, that uh, they are no longer the regents uh, of France, that we are now a complete republic. Uh, in January 1793, Louis uh, was put on trial, uh, and then on January 21st, uh, he was given a sentence uh, of uh, he, that he had uh, committed treason and that uh, he was to be executed. Mm-hmm. Um, when he had his final meeting with his family, um, uh, he told them uh, to, to cheer up and that he would see them in the morning, knowing mm. full well that he would not. Um, What is very um, interesting is that Louis was said to have a very content night, uh, his final night on this earth. He had a very large meal and uh, uh, slept soundly for the first time in years. Many say Mm -hmm. that it was because um, he uh, had finally gotten what he really wanted, which was to no longer be king anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, On January 21st, he was taken to uh, uh, what was newly invented just a few months ago, the guillotine. Uh, and he was put uh, into the stocks of the guillotine and uh, the the blade uh, was so dulled uh, from yes. the amount of people uh, that they had been beheading uh, yes. that it took two slices uh, for his Ugh. head to come fully off uh may of 1793 uh what is called the committee of public safety uh decided uh, that they needed to retrain uh the son of uh marie and uh louis uh who would now be louis the 17th need to retrain him in the ideals of the republic so he was taken away from his mother and child, uh, and uh, his mother and his uh, uh other siblings uh and kept at the temple but um in a separate part uh, where he was uh brutally abused uh by yes. the uh, uh republican uh guard and uh mm. was made uh to denounce his mother and denounce his family and <sighs> uh brainwashed into singing songs uh, of uh, the republic and that was all that uh his mother Marie could hear uh, from across <clears> the courtyard <throat> uh was uh, her young boy who had now been so abused that he was singing songs about how evil she was <sighs> uh in august of 1793 uh, she was taken uh, from the temple uh to the uh, consigliere. uh she was uh, now given the name as prisoner number 280 uh she was put on trial on uh october 14th in front of the tribunal uh where they uh, 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 uh railed against all of her uh uh lavish spending, all of the rumors that had ever come up against her. Uh, At one point, uh, they said that uh, she uh, had uh, uh, molested her young boy um, and when this charge was read out to her she gave no response and one mm. of the women from behind her said uh, why do you give no response to this charge uh, and she stood up and turned around and said any of you mothers that are in this room know how ridiculous this is any of you who know what it is to care for a young yes. child and, and know what it means to you know how ridiculous this is and at that point all of the women of the rioters started to get onto her side and so yeah. the tribunal now had to rework itself to make sure that this uh, was never mentioned again. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was also uh, uh, given the accusation of treason against the French Republic. And this part, even though they had no evidence to prove it, was absolutely true as Marie Antoinette had been sending correspondence to the Austrians as much as possible, giving Mm -hmm. them uh, updates as to what the French military was doing, where their positions were, so that they could... um, defeat the French military and march into Versailles. They had no evidence of this. The evidence would be found years and years later. Um, but uh, even so, with no evidence, they found her guilty on all of these charges. And um, Oh, really?
2: What a surprise.
1: <laughs> uh, then uh, she was... Uh, kept in trial uh, and kept away from food, uh, and the trial went on all the way until 4 a.m. on October 16th of 1793, uh, where she was pronounced guilty and that her execution would occur at noon of that day. Um, and uh, so she uh, went uh, into... Her cell, and she uh, was writing a letter, and it is the last written correspondence that she has. Uh, she's writing to her sister in law um, of what she hopes to be done with the children and, and uh, the French yeah. people. And uh, the letter uh, is uh, ended abruptly, and it is at yeah. that point that she is taken. Uh, her hair is all cut off, and she's put into a commoner's uh, white dress and mop cap. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, unlike uh, Louis, who was given a covered wagon to go uh, to his death, uh, she was put into an open wagon and and, Mm -hmm. uh, put through the streets of Paris, uh, people throwing things at her. And even her enemies write about how dignified she was, standing completely erect as all these people threw and spit and uh, did all these things upon her. Uh, She then uh, went to the guillotine and uh, she accidentally stepped on the foot of her uh, executioner. She said, uh, pardon me, I, I did not mean to do that. Um, yeah. She was then uh, lowered into the guillotine and uh, her head was cut off. Um, yeah. Marie Antoinette is uh, a, a very uh, interesting and, and conflicting figure um, uh I think that it is uh, very interesting that uh, uh, one of the things that you said is that her her communication, um, because of this interception in her chart, was was locked off. And really, her communication was imprisoned, just as she was later on. And really, none of what she did was that much more egregious than anybody had done before her. No. Um, it was just the communication about it came so rapidly to a people who were so hurt and starving that um, it wasn't the real Antoinette that they were uh, uh, murdering. It was the idea of her. Um, mm-hmm. And this idea that had gone through the French people for so long um, is what leads to this revolution. Um Thomas Jefferson says years later that without Marie Antoinette there would have been no French Revolution, Um, Mm -hmm. that it was the reports of all of this lavishness and all of the gambling and all of the society that she ran with that led to this – She really becomes the scapegoat of Mm -hmm. this revolution, that whichever side, if you think the revolution was good or bad, you could still point to her as the reason, when really she's Mm -hmm. just emblematic of a system that already existed. Um, so I, I, I think that there are many things in this chart, uh, that make sense. Um, there are some things that she may have been truly, but people just don't understand that that's who she really was. She would have right. liked to have been benevolent, but she was not seen as someone who was benevolent. Uh, she was seen as someone who was out of touch, uh, who pretended to be a pauper while real paupers were starving. Um, right. but, uh, uh, the, the... Um, Sight and and what someone actually is uh, are two completely different things.
2: Well, clearly, the research that you've done is amazing, Chandler. Once again, this particular time in history, for whatever reason, I am very attached to it. You know, I really want to go to Versailles. I feel very connected to this. And it really breaks my heart to know that humanity has this ability to turn itself off and literally gut itself. You know, I think that the way this works is disgusting to me. And maybe it's because I have Saturn in Aquarius and I believe that all the people I believe in all the people. But doing this to another human, none none of this was necessary. This bloodbath, this thing where they would hack and hack and hack with their dull guillotines and then show, you know, hold up by the hair, the heads of, oh, we've yet, you know, cut off another head. Look at us. It's like, you know, eventually that just gets old. Then the other thing, my personal opinion, uh, and I, ha- I have a real issue with the fact that France helped us in our revolution, and we did not help them. Well, and that well, upsets me.
1: We got them back twice over. We just were not I, in a position.
2: Uh, yeah, again. we were. We could have done whatever we wanted. I, I, uh, no, no, I have my own issues though. about this. <laughs> this no. is my thing. We, I'm we, like, uh, how dare you let these uh, people I, I, get I, hacked I, up like that?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think that America was going to go and defend a king um, and, and and go against no, people. I just think with, that we could have
2: um, interacted and they wouldn't, you know, at some point the bloodbath needed to stop. This didn't, I don't know. And, and I, it, did. Just, it did. I'm very when, when, connected when to it. The
1: whole rest of the world went into France and made it stop. Um, well... So I, I, yeah, I, I think we've repaid our debt twice over um, to the people of France, and are very grateful to them for what they did, and and I think that they are grateful for what we did in uh, nineteen seventeen and nineteen forty four.
2: Well, I agree with you there, but as I said, somehow I am very connected to this time. And I do want to point out that Mars, sometimes these things are just really super literal, okay? Because since this is Marie Antoinette, and she has Mars in the first house, and Mars rules your head, she would have been very elaborate with her head ornaments, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mars rules the head. So she would have been known for wearing things on her head in a very literal sense, you know? uh her mother clearly was a narcissist so that's not good so me reading the chart in a positive light is not working out here you know uh she has uh you know wounded healer uh she got the wound right so in this situation you know even though she was i believe uh because she has Chiron In the seventh house, I think she was trying to heal her partner, you know, but I do not think she was working with her north node. I think she was working with her south node because Uranus can also be insanity. All right. So if she has mental illness, which she very well might have had mental illness. I mean, those people were all inbred. So here she has Uranus in. Pisces in the 10th house, uh, that's a lot of unforeseen lightning strike type of activities going on in her 10th house, in her career, you know, then all of this fifth house, lots of fun, lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, you know? So in a way, If you look at the whole picture and you say, okay, the end was horrific. To make a mother listen to their child being abused, I'm not sure there's anything worse you can do. I don't know that there's anything that you could do to a mother that would be worse than that. Uh, That's really, really, really horrible. So... Maybe the universe allowed these people to enjoy the first part of their life, because I think I think she was making the most of what she was dealt, you know uh more than likely, she didn't want to be the queen of France. She might have just wanted to stay home, you know. She created an imaginary world for herself, you know mm-hmm. this this Neptune in Leo. She created an imaginary world that she could live in where she didn't have to deal with this other stuff until it became necessary. Um, Saturn in the eighth house, lessons with the partner, lessons with death and rebirth, lessons with death, you know, and her karma is cut off. I'm not sure her power is also cut off. Her ability to communicate and her power are cut off in this interception and there's no way to for, you know, I don't see anyone around her making it possible to get to that. But I, I have a very, very hard time with this time in history where, well, I have a hard time in any time in history where the masses just raise up and start mutilating things. You know, I just don't know that 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 I, I don't think i'm from here <laughs> i don't think i'm from this place where this is something that's okay to do the all of them all of the times when humanity was mutilated uh that does not compute with me so it's hard this is really a hard one for me because i am i think i would have really liked her i think i would have really enjoyed hanging out with her and living in her fantasy world and all of these things, I would not have been okay with people starving. But hey, people are starving right now. There are people right now on our planet that are tortured every single day in human trafficking, you know? So uh, are we Them? Are we turning a blind eye to that? You know? i don't want to get too dark but i am very attached to this time and i i really i really have a hard time dealing with what people do to people you know i do
1: Mm -hmm. well uh i think (laughs) on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space uh is pretty close to uh right on the money uh there are uh Again, uh, things that are um, that she may have been, but were not uh, known of her to be. Um, I think uh, to lots of uh, royalists, uh, she was a, a leader for the people, um, and I think uh, as evident by how the uh, uh, eventually um, her her legacy. Became something different of what it was at the time. Um, so when uh, the Bourbons were restored uh, in the uh, early 1800s, uh, the bodies of both uh, Louis and Marie were taken out of their paupers' graves and and put back into or or. Put into the um, main cathedral in, in Paris, where all of the French kings and queens uh, are laid to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there was a, eventually a, a different way a, a of looking at her life. And really, you know, uh, uh, she, she got the, the raw end of a um, of a bad deal uh the 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 whole idea at least from my point of view uh, of an absolute monarchy uh, isn't really the best way uh, of determining um who your leaders are going to be just by what family they were born into and and uh, all of that. Um, right? And the fact that they had these teenage uh, rulers who were so out of touch with things going on around them as right. their leaders led to a lot of people hurting. And and that yes. hurt uh, made itself shown in some very brutal ways during the reign of terror and uh, everything going on in France in the yes. 1780s and 90s. Um, so uh just want to... Uh, uh, leave you off as we uh, begin uh, the month of November um, with with uh, all the happy things going on during the French Revolution. Um, but uh, really, uh, thank you all so much uh, for listening and uh, for supporting the show. And I hope that you uh, enjoyed this uh, look at uh, astrology and history and their interactions together. Uh, If you would like to continue uh, or or support the show in another way, uh, we have all of the links to our uh, social media accounts posted in the description of the show. Um, We have that email available, so historyandretrograde at gmail.com. That is how uh, Michael uh, was able to uh, suggest this show to us. So thank you again so much for your suggestion, Michael. And uh, if you would like to uh, help support the uh, podcast another way, we have a link to our PayPal account. Every little donation helps us in uh, creating a better quality show and expanding the audience of the show. And if you would like to be your own mystery history guest, uh, we can make that happen to you. Uh, so uh, we have an email uh, in the show description, Chandler's mom at history and, and uh, you email that and uh, mom will get with you about the details of how to have your natal chart read or maybe the chart of someone close to you or a synastry chart between the two of you. Uh, Um, She can uh, help you with that. Uh, Mom, is there anything that you'd like to add?
2: Yes, I would like to swing up into a higher area than where I was earlier because of where that takes me and say, hello, Australia and Ireland. Um, I love it that you guys vie back and forth for uh, listening Uh, For listeners, it's very, very exciting to me to watch the competition between Ireland and Australia go back and forth on uh, how many listeners we have there. Um, That makes me very happy. And uh, I would like everyone to realize and understand that these eclipses can be really emotional and uh kind of try not to get too caught up in it uh understand that some things will be brought to the forefront so that you can deal with them but once the eclipses have passed you might find that oh this was really good i did need to deal with that and now i'm much better because i've dealt with it and um just let you guys know that i'm feeling you through these eclipses i am having a very interesting eclipse season myself and uh um, I love I love knowing that you guys are there. We both do. We really are honored that you guys take time out of your day to listen to us. And it makes us feel really, really good.
1: Uh, yes, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine.
2: Everything's going to be just fine. Thank you. We love you. Bye-bye.